Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Get Your Goat. Your host, Josh, here. Today, I'll be talking about Aaron Rodgers' latest Instagram post, AFC North teams, what's next for them. I'm going to give you my top five wide receivers of this past year. And then I'm going to change up my NBA prediction. I made my preseason prediction, and I was awfully wrong about one of those teams. I'm going to make my post-All-Star Game prediction as we finish up this year. Then I'm going to rank my top five players of the NBA top 75 team, give you my top five teams in the NHL right now, and I'm also going to react to Jawan Howard's five-game suspension. So let's get into it, starting with Aaron Rodgers' latest Instagram post where he wanted to focus on gratitude, love, and reflection, and, uh, you know, gratitude is the wine for the soul, you know, thankful to his ex, Shailene Woodley, thanked, you know, the quarterback room of Jordan Love, uh, Matt, uh, David Bakhtiari, who he's close friends with, or Randall Cobb, Devontae Adams, you know, Matt LaFleur, to me, it felt like a goodbye, a sort of post. Then he goes on the Pat McAfee show yesterday and says there is, you know, no news. Uh, it was simply, you know, just a post of gratitude. And there's nothing cryptic about gratitude at all. I'll take your word for that, uh, your word, Aaron Rodgers. But I'll also say this. When I first saw that post... I thought it would make sense for him to retire with this post, you know, thanking everybody. It felt like a goodbye sort of post. And that was my initial reaction. Now that I've had a day to stew on it, you know, Aaron Rodgers, to me, is a very egotistical uh, type of guy. Very intelligent, but very kind of sly with his immunization comment and you know, reading into everything. So I thought, since this guy's kind of egotistical and he knows what the media says about him and, you know, especially after his latest uh, playoff meltdown against the San Francisco 49ers and the weather that he wanted, uh, that, you know, gone are the days that will ever consider him, you know, right there with Tom Brady. So knowing that, I think he is going to return. I'm going to give it a 50% shot with the Packers, even though yesterday that post did feel like a, good, a goodbye post. Of course, I'd like to see him go to the Broncos to a new change of scenery. And I think he wants to win a fifth MVP. That puts him up there with Peyton Manning, which would be tied for most NFL MVPs of all time, where he can say, yeah, Brady, you know, won all those championships. He won seven. But look at me. Look at my resume. I've won five MVPs. I did something, you know, Tom Brady could never do. I did what Peyton Manning couldn't do. And I'm a far better quarterback than Peyton Manning. I'm Aaron Bleeping Rodgers. That's me. But Aaron Rodgers, even if you were to win that you know, I could argue that 
Peyton Manning at least won two Super Bowls, even though the defense carried him to that final one in Denver. He won one. But if he goes to a team like Denver, another team, I think that would definitely soften the MVP voters' hearts instead of just giving it to him a third straight time. Uh, why not have a change of scenery, be really good, and get another MVP award? That's what I think Aaron Rodgers is after. He can no longer chase the ultimate goal, which is the Super Bowl titles. I don't think he'll get to two in Green Bay. I think he has to make a move to a different team if he is going to win. I mean, we say every year, you know, Aaron Rodgers, what a great situation that he's in. He's got one of the best wide receivers in football in Devontae Adams. He's got a strong running game in Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. He has this great offensive line. The defense comes together. He's got a strong coaching staff. He's Aaron Rodgers. He should take his team over to the top. I mean, what a great situation every year. Great situation. Every year, a top two team in the NFC. And every year, it's fallen short of expectations. Every single year. I mean, I've never picked the Green Bay Packers to make it to the Super Bowl. I don't know if they ever will. Because Aaron Rodgers has had 11 consecutive seasons of playoff misery. 7-9. and Don't think he's going anywhere with the... Green Bay Packers. So if they re-sign him, if it works, you know, he's focused on Devontae Adams getting his contract or make a decision from there on the Green Bay Packers. But I think it's time for Aaron Rodgers after his cleanse that he did as well, you know, is to, you know, stop playing games with the Packer fans, you know, with just fans in general, because nobody knows you know, what he wants. You have, you know, Jordan Love commenting on his Instagram post of the hearts uh, and just, you know, Green Bay fan pages, you know, saying thank you. Some of them saying, what does this mean? Are you leaving? And then you have Broncos fan pages saying, welcome to Denver. So everything Aaron Rodgers does is confusing on the field and both off the field. Uh, confusing off the field because he likes to have these little tweets or uh, Instagram posts that just cause confusion. And then on the field, his performance definitely causes confusion that an MVP chokes constantly in the playoffs. I mean, it's just just confusing. Uh, If I was a Packers fan, uh, my favorite line would probably be... uh, Hulks from Avengers Endgame. These are confusing times. Uh, confusing times just surround the Green Bay Packers. So that's my thoughts to Aaron Rodgers' post. What do you think? Do you think he's staying in Green Bay? Going to a different team? Or retiring? Who knows when we'll find out. Who knows? But now... Let's talk about the AFC North teams and what's next for them. Starting off with the Cincinnati Bengals. And what a season they had. Made it to the Super Bowl. uh, Opened the season with 75-1 odds to do so to win their division. They defied the odds. 
won their division, beat the Kansas City Chiefs, the reigning AFC champions, twice, once in the regular season, once in the conference championship game, then went on to win the Super Bowl and had a realistic shot until Aaron Donald blew up that game. So what do the Cincinnati need to do to repeat as AFC champions? What do they need to do? Simply put, to me, one thing, it's get an offensive line any means necessary, whether it's a free agent market, draft, every single pick is offensive uh, line, that is what they need. Joe Burrow sacked 50 t- 53 times in the regular season and 17 times in the postseason combined for a 70 times and at times he looked hobbled. The win against the Chiefs in a regular season uh, limped off. Couldn't even take a knee there at the end uh, because it was that bad. Then in the Super Bowl, got dinged up, sprained his MCL as well. So you have that, and you look at that offensive line, which is just so porous. Uh, you know, they need... Uh, to do better, and we've seen you uh, people retool offensive lines in the past. We just saw it recently uh, with the Kansas City Chiefs offensive line got a lot better. Traded you know picks for uh, Orlando Brown on the left side there. They drafted you know an All Pro rookie center. I mean, you can retool sign guard Joe Thune, so you can definitely retool your offensive line. Cincinnati, I believe, will draft, spend in free agency to protect Joe Burrow because they've got Joe Burrow, MVP candidate. They've got one of the best wide receivers in Jamar Chase and a great supporting cast other than just him in Joe Mixon, Tyler Boyd, T. Higgins, uh, Uzoma is their tight end. And then on defense, you got Trey Hendrickson, you got Owuzie, you got Jesse Bates, uh, Von Bell. So this team's really good. They play not only to their potential, but they exceed their potential. But offensive line is the big key for this team. And that's just, will also play a two-way part because Joe Burrow threw a ton of yards uh, this season, you know, with that bad offensive line. And Joe Mixon, you know, rushed for the third most yards behind that terrible offensive line. So they were winning in spite of him. But if they can uh, retool... That offensive line get it better. This is a ten and seven team last year. You improve that, you know this could be a twelve and five team, a thirteen and four team. So Cincinnati offensive line. What about the Pittsburgh Steelers quarterback? That's easy to address, isn't it? Just find your quarterback. Uh, ben Roethlisberger gone and retired. Now you need someone to fill the shoes that were there in Pittsburgh, you know, for the 18 years that he was in, the two uh, Super Bowl wins as well. And you've got talent around him uh, to build around the quarterback. You've got Najee Harris, your first-round draft pick last year, which looks really good, who led the NFL in touches this year. Uh, You have a good wide receiver core. I don't think any standout true number ones. But you have a good collection of talent in Deontay Johnson, uh, in Chase Claypool, in Juju Smith-Schuster, uh, in Patrick Fryermuth. So you have a collection of talent to where it's not 
barren out there for a quarterback to throw to. And you got a top defense. Uh, you got Defensive Player of the Year, uh, TJ Watt. You've got Minka Fitzpatrick. You got Cameron Hayward. You got a good defense. So the focus is clearly going to be on the quarterback. And this is a big one because they have Mason Rudolph. I'm not a fan of their 5 4 and 1 with Mason Rudolph. We've seen him before. And he's not that guy. I mean, we've seen him, and we've seen him get benched because he played bad, and that's when Devlin Hodges came in. Uh, so I know the owner expressed confidence that if Mason Rudolph was the day one starter, you know, he could lead this team. I'm not buying it. I've seen Mason Rudolph, and I know it's a small sample size, but you're 9-7-1 and one with Big Ben. Let's say that's 5-4-1. I don't expect Mason Rudolph to be an upgrade over Big Ben. They're 9-7-1. Mike Tomlin sticks with Mason Rudolph. Mike Tomlin could get his first losing season as an NFL head coach if he sticks with Mason Rudolph. That would be one of the dumbest decisions of the offseason. Is if Pittsburgh, who wants to compete for championships yearly, who is this story franchise of winning six of them, then guess what? You're going to need a real quarterback. And we're going to see if Mike Tomlin is that guy, is a quarterback guru of sorts, or if he's just defensive-minded. Because I don't think there's a legitimate option that will hit free agency. You might trade for Jimmy Garoppolo uh, if you think he's the best available right now, if you don't want to look towards a draft. But I'd look towards the draft. I'd look for a Malik Willis uh, from Liberty or a Kenny Pickett of Pitt. Those will be my two guys if you don't want to pursue uh, Jimmy Garoppolo. So Pittsburgh, quarterback, big need. What about Cleveland? Cleveland, 8-9 and nine last year. And this was my biggest offseason or my biggest yeah prediction from last year. That I got wrong. Uh, I picked the Kansas City Chiefs, you know, to make it to the Super Bowl or at least the AFC Championship game. My AFC Championship game pick was the Browns versus the Chiefs. I got the Chiefs right. I got an AFC North team right, but that was incorrect. I picked the Cleveland Browns. They finished eight and nine, and I look at this team and. You know, Miles Garrett on the back end there, good player. Uh, Denzel Ward as well. Jeremiah Wusukoromoa, I had higher expectations for him. Uh, wasn't the greatest rookie season there ever was. But I look at this offense as the biggest issue. I look at Baker Mayfield as the biggest issue. And I know he had a myriad of injuries this year. And he insisted on playing through them all. And it just seemed like every week something new got dinged up or injured. And it just worsened. And he looked worse every single week. His image got bad. And, you know, I remember more progressive commercials from Baker Mayfield. Been spectacular performances that he put on display this year. Uh because this team is built on running the football with Nick Chubb, with Kareem Hunt, with a good offensive line. And 
they could not get the running and going this year. Kareem Hunt down with injury, COVID a couple times. Same with Nick Chubb as well. So they couldn't have a consistent running game going. And when they couldn't get that running game going, they could not rely on Baker Mayfield. And I thought the key loss was early in the season, really the first game where they played the Chiefs. And Baker Mayfield, I thought, was right there with Patrick Mahomes, you know, throw for throw in that game. Uh, but they ended up losing. And to me, that kind of, you know, initially shocked that team. Uh, but then you roll three more wins. Uh, you're 3-1. and one, You're in a good spot. Then that's when the rails fall off a team is when you play the Chargers the following week. And it's a great offensive performance by both teams. 47-42 by the Chargers. But you don't win that game. And to me, that sucked the life out because then the Cardinals game, uh, you get blown out. You'll lose to the Steelers uh, as well. You get demolished by the Patriots. You almost lose to the Lions. You lose to the Ravens. And the losses just keep piling up. The injuries keep piling up. And Baker Mayfield turned out to not be that guy. Then you had the drama with Odell Beckham, him getting cut. And you see his success in L.A., and you're like, well, Baker's obviously not that guy. And then now there's reports that Jarvis Landry could be cut from his team, uh, which would save the Browns of $14 million. And now I'm Baker Mayfield. I don't have OBJ. Obviously, there was issues there. Probably best if they get rid of him. But I had some chemi- chemistry with Jarvis Landry. Jarvis Landry's boy, however, was OBJ. Now Jarvis Landry leaves. Who am I left to throw to? Donovan Peoples-Jones? Austin Hooper? Joku? Who do I throw to? And I look at Baker and I say, you know, if you were just better at doing your job, then there wouldn't be all these complicated issues. But because you performed so bad last year, you insisted to be in when, guess what? Case Keenum could have given you the same output that Baker Mayfield gave you. Uh, the Cleveland Browns, just a horrendous team this past year to watch. It was just bad on every level. And like I said a couple times throughout the year, is it just felt like last year when the Cleveland Browns were 11-5, and Kevin Stefanski, coach of the year. Uh, they lose to Arrowhead. You know, Patrick Mahomes is out, and that just felt like your chance to do something, but chemistry of a team looked so good. Everything was lining up for him, and it just didn't work. And I don't know if they ever can get back to that spot again. I don't think they can with Baker Mayfield or with this team at all. Uh, but if you're a fan of Ohio, at least you've got Cincinnati. Then the last team. And the AFC North, the Baltimore Ravens, you know, the team that was number one for a while in the North, eight and nine. And uh, they were off to an eight and three start, and they lost their final six games. Final six games. A lot of those games came on crazy plays. Uh, one of them 
The first one that kicked off that streak was a one-point loss to the Steelers where Lamar Jackson could not connect with Mark Andrews on a two-point conversion. You lose that game. Then Lamar Jackson gets injured against the Browns, lose that game by two points, and Lamar Jackson doesn't play the rest of the year. But they're still a respectable team. They lose to the Packers by one point on a two-point try that they don't get. Ravens-Bengals. Bengals, Joe Burrow throws for 525 yards on him, blows him out. Then one point uh, to the Rams, uh, they lose to. They could not you know, get into field goal range for the tying score. And then still a shot at postseason hopes, and you lose to the Steelers in overtime. So this team, I think, has a lot of answering uh, to do Lamar Jackson, you know, one game in his career, oh, throwing for like 450 yards came this year, uh, come from behind win against the Colts, still hasn't done it. I still haven't seen great uh, quarterback play from him constantly. And if I'm a Baltimore Ravens, one thing I'm looking for next year, it's health. That's it. Uh, because you had Lamar Jackson go down. You had Marcus Peters go down, Marlon Humphrey, you know, more defensive starters go down. And it, to me, you know, for the Ravens, it's health and luck if they're ever going to make uh, a Super Bowl. That's going to be what it is. It's They're going to be healthy. You're going to be lucky as well because, you know, the other teams, you know, won't have full health or a call will go their way. That's how they'll get in because the way this Baltimore team is constructed it's constructed to never win a Super Bowl. And it constantly shocks me that, you know, they have talent, but the way it is constructed is to never win the Super Bowl. And we look at quarterbacks, you know, that are our true dual threat quarterbacks. You know, we compare them to Michael Vick. Did Michael Vick ever win a Super Bowl? No. No, he did not. Uh, so you make these comparisons to him, I, you know, who was a fantastic player, just electric with the ball in his hands, but never made it to a Super Bowl because it's easy. When you look at Colin Kaepernick early on, you know, took the league by storm, but it just did not pan out in a Super Bowl. Lost the Super Bowl to the Ravens. But even other dual threat quarterbacks who maybe don't have the rushing ability, scrambling ability Lamar Jackson have, they had the arm power. That Lamar Jackson simply does not possess the accuracy. He does not possess the Steve Youngs uh, of the world that won Super Bowls. The Russell Wilson that won Super Bowls. The Cam Newton that got oh so close to winning a Super Bowl. So the way Baltimore is constructed to run the football this much, to just have short intermediate passing with Lamar Jackson, it's not going to get it done. They're never going to win the Super Bowl. Uh, with him, you know, with his completion percentage around the 55-60% low QBR. It's just not going to happen. Because what does he do? Overthrows the wide receiver, underthrows the wide receiver, throws the ball out of bounds. I mean, the ball just spirals everywhere. It's insane to watch. And, you know, Mark Andrews was great this year. And there's just a lot of times he just made great plays, bailed, you know, either Lamar Jackson or Tyler Huntley out. Because he was just that good. 
but the way this team is built will not win a Super Bowl. When I look at them compared to the Buffalo Bills, they ain't beating them. I saw that story in last year's playoffs where Buffalo beat the Ravens. Uh, They can't compete with them. Josh Allen is a superior quarterback to Lamar Jackson. When I look at the Cincinnati Bengals, same with Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow, superior quarterback to Lamar Jackson. When I look at the Kansas City Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes, the superior quarterback to Lamar Jackson. When I look at the Chargers, even though they didn't make the playoffs, Justin Herbert, superior quarterback to Lamar Jackson. The Tennessee Titans, I'm not going to say anything about Ryan Tannehill, because I think he should go. But when you look at the way that team's constructed, it's better to win with them because they got Derrick Henry, good offensive line. They got weapons for Ryan Tannehill to at least do something, even though he obviously doesn't know what he's doing uh, with Julio Jones and A.J. Brown. And they got an improved defense. So I look at the Titans, and I look at Baltimore, and to me, they're kind of the same team, kind of built differently, but both built in a way where they're not going to win because of lackluster quarterback play, where you can't count on them to show up in the big games constantly. And that's what I see from Lamar, and that's why I don't think this team will ever be in a spot uh, for them to win a Super Bowl. So those are the AFC North team things that we'll focus on in the offseason to get better next season. Cincinnati, O-line, Pittsburgh quarterback, Cleveland quarterback, chemistry, Baltimore, health and luck. Now some minor news, which could affect this team much better down the road. And that's the Kansas City Chiefs. They cut linebacker Anthony Hitchens, who I thought, you know, was a good linebacker for them this past year. You know, good veteran experience there for that young group who had 80 tackles and interception as well. You know, it's just been great. But when you look at, they drafted Willie Gay, who was good. They drafted Nick Bolton who's also good, younger as well. You look at him and you think you can save some money. So that's what they do. They cut him, save $8 million. And you look at who they need to pay. They need to pay Tyran Matthew, the Honey Badger. So I think this is a smart move by them because the move is to lock down Tyran Matthew, not keep Anthony Hitchens. So very, I think, smart move by the Chiefs who... To me, just showed that Tyran Matthew is most likely to remain the Kansas City Chief. And then another news as well. I just feel like the four, you know, or you know, two great players just give us, you know, constant content to talk about. One being Aaron Rodgers, which I did, two Tom Brady, and just the news, you know, and rumors that surround him. Uh and what I do believe is, uh, from what I've been reading, all the reports I've been reading, is he's either going to enjoy his retirement or he's going to return to the 49ers. Uh, or I guess not return, but return to his hometown and, and be a 49er. Uh, I don't think he's going 
back to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I don't think he takes out this the lengthy Instagram post to thank all of them and say he's done to just return to the Tampa Bay Bucks. I don't buy all the reports saying that, you know, all this, you know, bad, you know, encounters with Bruce Arians and the undermining of him and uh, Byron Leftwich. I don't buy every single ounce of that. But I do buy some of it, you know, just from what transpired these past two years. You know, Bruce Arians called out Tom Brady a few times for his poor performance. And, you know, everybody usually takes a high route, you know, when they lose. It's, hey, we got to be better uh, as a team. You know, a player will take their share, uh, their fair share of the blame. You know, I need to step up. I need to make another throw or I need to catch that. But, you know, it's getting better on to the next week. Whereas Bruce Arians will call out Tom Brady right away and say, he played bad. Uh, Tom Brady, what was he doing? What was he thinking? Shouldn't have done that. It's like, it's not, it doesn't say, you know, why'd Mike Evans drop that ball? Why is Devin White, you know, out of line? Uh, why is Carlton Davis you know, not covering his man that well, you know, doesn't call out those players, but calls out the GOAT. GOAT never called out Bruce Arians, I think, after a while. It's like, whoa, you know who you're talking to here, right? So I do think if Tom Brady plays again, it will be with the 49ers. And, you know, a lot of it does make sense, especially if the 49ers are not sold on Trey Lance. You know, I watched Trey Lance... Uh, last year for a few games, saw him, you know, at an actual game when he played the Cardinals. You know, didn't look that great, didn't look that bad. So it's how much of a jump there's going to be. And is that jump superior to Jimmy Garoppolo's play? Because Jimmy Garoppolo was close to leading them to yet another Super Bowl appearance and beating the Rams. So is Trey Lance going to outplay Jimmy Garoppolo, and beat the Rams. I don't know if that's possible to do for him. Uh, I don't know if he's that type of guy. But if it's Tom Brady, you entice him somehow to come back. It makes sense because that's a winning situation. You put Tom Brady on this existing 49ers team. I think they win a Super Bowl. They win it easily. They're a favorite in a lot of their games to win it. Uh you have that rivalry there with the Rams 49ers. And I think the 49ers are a better team. And I think they win those games um, that you know Tom Brady was in, that NFC Championship game that Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't do. But then when you look at and just envision Tom Brady throwing the ball to Brandon Ayuk, to George Kittle, to uh, Debo Samuel with this defense as well, I thought Tampa Bay's defense was really good uh, last year, especially in the postseason, but regressed some this year, even with everybody fully healthy. It just did not look like the dominant group that it was last year. And the 49ers defense, you know, isn't the number one group across all boards, but it is much more consistent than the uh, Buccaneers. And they won't call an all-out blitz you know, to lose a game like the Buccaneers did in that fashion. So Tom Brady, a 49er, I like it. 
it makes sense. Why not go out try to win number eight? You know, with a third team. I mean, that'd just be amazing. I hope Tom Brady does it. I'd like to see it. Now, who are my top five wide receivers of 2021? Top five. I was debating, do I do a top five? Do I do a top ten? But I thought top five. There are some people I'm just going to get out of the way that were close to being in the top five. But I just could not put them in the top five. Tyreek Hill was close. But the problem was he had a couple of fumbles, a couple of fumbles lost, and he had quite a few drops this year as well. Uh, Wasn't, you know, as great as he's been the past couple years. Uh, So because of that, he was just on the outlier there. It was close because, you know, he's fast. We've seen him a postseason, but regular season, those drops could not do it, uh, put him there. So my top five. Number five. Jamar Chase. Why? Just sensational. Rookie of the year. Uh, offensive rookie of the year. Dominant most, you know, receiving yards by a rookie wide receiver. Had 1,455, which was the fourth most yards this year. And he did that on 81 receptions. 81. When I'm going to put the guys, you know, above them, you know, like Devontae Adams, Justin Jefferson, Cooper Cup, you compare their numbers, they all had 100-plus receptions to get to where they're at. So you look at, you know, Cooper Cup at 145 receptions. Jamar Chase had 81, and Jamar Chase was 400 yards behind Cooper Cup. Jamar Chase basically doubles that output. You look at 3,000. Almost close to 3,000 yards. His average was the second highest average in the league. at 18 yards per reception. He had 13 receiving touchdowns as well, which was top five. 85 yards per game as well. I mean, just amazing. 651 yards after the catch. Uh, some of the highest in the league as well. You know, top three. So... Jamar Chase, premier wide receiver in the NFL. And to be a rookie and do that is simply outstanding. To me, he was the one wide receiver that lined up on Jalen Ramsey this year. And I knew Jamar Chase was going to dust him and beat him. And he did constantly in the Super Bowl. Uh, DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett couldn't do that to him this year. Justin Jefferson could not do what Jamar Chase did to him this year. Uh, The only other player who had similar were the 49ers and kind of their schemes. But Jamar Chase, one-on-one, proved he is one of the best wide receivers in the NFL just being a rookie. Number four, one of my favorite players in the NFL, and that happens to be Debo Samuel, who is just so much fun to watch. And I'm not even going to get into his rushing. I might just because he's that good. But he was fifth in receiving yards at 1,405. Again, 77 receptions. Less, you know, than Jamar Chase, four less. And almost half Cooper Cup, which is insane because he'd probably put up 2,800 yards uh, if he got as many targets 
as Cooper Cup because his average, 18.2 most in the NFL per reception. Yards after the catch, 780. Second most in the league right there. Debo Samuel is just electric. And then, you know, when you look at what he did uh, from a running back perspective, having, uh, you know, 400 yards running the football, the all-purpose yards there from scrimmage, just fantastic. Debo Samuel is just an all-around electric player. You can even put him for kick return, punt return, put him wherever. Uh, Kind of reminding me a little bit of a Tyreek Hill. But to me, Debo Samuel is a little bit more physical, bigger guy, uh, has the strength to do that, and to me has a touch of better route running as well. Number three, Justin Jefferson. Fantastic this year. Second in receiving yards at 1,615 uh, yards per reception. 10 touchdowns as well. Uh, 108 receptions. Played in every game. Averaged 95 yards per game as well. Uh, this is a guy you have to double. Who's He's proved the past two years. Uh, has just been sensational since he's come into the league, got better uh, this year. And you got Con Artis Kirk as your quarterback as well. You're not, don't have some world beater back there, but you got Con Artis Kirk uh, throwing the ball to you. Just, so to put up these numbers as well, the moves that he puts on you uh, as well, he's just one of the better wide receivers. You know, you look at what he said about LSU, and it looks like LSU is receiver you when you got two of my top five wide receivers this past year are from LSU. Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, but you also got OBJ cooking in the league as well. But Justin Jefferson, you know, is just another young, electric wide receiver at that position. Number two, Devontae Adams. Again, highest wide receiver PFF grade this season. Pro football focus at around 90. He's just that guy. Had 1,500 yards this season, but he only played in 16 games. Had the second highest yards per game at 97. I think he plays that extra game that he missed. You know, he'd definitely be a past Justin Jefferson in terms of yards uh, per game. Had 123 receptions, which happens to be second most in the league. 169 targets, second most in the league. Uh, This is Aaron Rodgers' guy, in for good measure. 11 touchdowns as well. Uh, This is a guy with superior route running skills as well. Quick release as well, off the line of scrimmage. Uh, To me, he's the best route runner in the NFL. Has some of the best hands as well. Did not have a fumble at all this year. Fumble lost. Nothing. You know, Justin Jefferson had one, which is why I put him down. Jamar Chase had uh, two fumbles. Debo Samuel had a couple. Tyreek Hill had a couple in the drops. You have all these guys, uh, but he is one that just does not fumble the football. He catches it. That's it. You're not getting the ball. 
Cooper Cup, he had a fumble as well. That playoff game against the uh, Buccaneers lost the fumble. Only fumble lost that this season. But he is still the number one wide receiver. Why? He had 145 receptions, most in the league this year. Second most ever. Yards, 1,947. Most this season. Second most ever behind Megatron. 191 targets. Far most in the league this year. 16 touchdowns. Most in the NFL. Uh, 114 yards per game, only one to go over 100. One offensive player of the year, yards after catch, most at 846. And then when you look at that combined with his postseason play as well, Super Bowl MVP, just brilliant uh, this year. Uh, most yards combined from a regular season and postseason. He was just that good, so to cap it off, he's got to be uh, number one as well, even though I think, hey, Matthew Stafford thrown to this guy so many times, how do you not constantly double him? He just finds a way to get open, even in double teams. Uh, I don't know what it is about him that defensive backs just lose him, where, you know, Devontae Adams can sometimes get double covered and get shut down. It's rare, but it happens. But it's strange, but Cooper Cup is number one. So those are my top five wide receivers from this past year. Jamar Chase, Debo Samuel, Justin Jefferson, Devontae Adams, and Cooper Cup. Now moving on to the NBA. And my preseason prediction was the Bucks and the Lakers. Bucks could still do it. However, the Lakers... Definitely not going to do it. They're done. They're toast. Everything about them, uh, I can kind of wipe off the slate. Because there's no way this team is going to make it to the NBA Finals. Uh, in a seven-game series, I cannot see them beating the Phoenix Suns, the Golden State Warriors, the Memphis Grizzlies at all. Uh, and those are teams... Two, you have to play at least two of them uh, to advance to the NBA Finals. And it's likely going to be the first two rounds. So I just do not see it happening. Uh, you know, most likely they'll have to play, you know, a Golden State or Phoenix first. And if they win the play-in, so they're done. They're written off to me. Uh, not doing it. So this is my post-All-Star game prediction. I'm still sticking with Milwaukee and the Bucks. They have Giannis. They got Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday. They got the experience to do it. You know, I don't know if I'm totally sold on Philadelphia. Definitely not on Brooklyn. Miami, I think, can come close. Uh, and that's the one that, you know, fears me the most with this pick. But I'm still picking one of my teams, the Bucks. But in the West... I got the Memphis Grizzlies coming out of the West. I think Golden State has its issues with Draymond Green not being in, especially losing a little bit defensively, that defensive edge. Steph in a slump where I believe he'd have to shoot 45% over the next 20 games for him to be a 40% uh, three-point shooter. Uh, he's been in a slump, so this team 
has found ways to lose games, and Memphis is kind of right there. And they've beat Golden State a couple of times this year. So I think they can do it. And when I look at the Phoenix Suns, great year last year. CP3 gone six to eight weeks till return for the playoffs. But this is another team I just do not see winning the NBA Finals. I had this conversation uh, because Phoenix will be the best team in the league, you know, record-wise at the end. So it's, you know, you take Phoenix or the field, and I'm taking the field. I do not think the Suns make it to the NBA Finals or win the NBA Finals at all. I'm legit giving them no chance to do so. I, I think I should, you know, technically give them a 1% chance, but I just don't see it happening uh, this year. Again, like it happened last year where they caught everybody at just the right time. They had health on their side and the opposing team's health not on their side. Memphis, I like this is a young athletic group led by John Morant, who is playing in the MVP conversation right now. You know, Desmond Bain, Jaron Jackson, Dylan Brooks coming back, Steven Adams, you know, rebounding freak that he is. So the Memphis Grizzlies are a great team. And every year, a team has to make some sort of run. And I like Memphis to do it because I like their first draw that they're going to get. I think they're going to get the Denver Nuggets, uh, or the play-in team, such as the Clippers or Minnesota. And any of those teams, especially Denver, with no Jamal Murray, I don't fear that team. I don't fear a Cat team or a Clippers team that could possibly have no Kawhi or Paul George. Memphis gets an easy draw. You know, it's the second draw that'll probably be against Golden State that is worrisome, but I think Memphis can handle them. And I think Phoenix, you know... Could definitely be upset beforehand by a Dallas Maverick team or a Utah Jazz team. And if not, I think Memphis Grizzlies beat them. I think Memphis Grizzlies make it to the NBA Finals. They lose, but they do make it there in the end. I think the Bucks repeat as well. And I think Giannis will most likely win Defensive Player of the Year. He could also win the scoring title this year. He keeps on playing at this pace as well. He could definitely challenge Embiid for the MVP as well. So that's my new prediction is between the Grizzlies and the Bucks. That's my prediction. Then James Harden, Ben Simmons at trade. I've talked about it. But is there more pressure this season on Ben Simmons or James Harden? I'm picking Ben Simmons because he's playing with KD. KD will be back this season. And KD, one of the top players in basketball, top three. And he was playing at MVP level before he gets down. And he plays to win championships. So there is a higher expectation because KD is a winner is an MVP. That's what he expects to do. So when you're Ben Simmons, and to me, Ben Simmons, he's not a winner. It was shown clearly in the semifinals last year against the Hawks that this man is not a winner. Uh, Loser. Quit on his team. So there is more pressure on Ben Simmons because you're going to have to perform with KD. 
uh, KD will carry you as long as you can, but you don't do your job, you know, a lot of blame is going to be put on you. Whereas James Harden, there's not a lot of pressure on him. I know I can talk about his lack of playoff success, uh, but he's a top 75 player in the history of the NBA. A top 75 player who few years removed from averaging 35, 36 points per game in a season who is one of the best scorers the NBA has ever seen. Pure scores, the ability uh, to create your own shot, go left, just turn in the air, start, stop. He's simply uh, amazing, so he'll be a top 75 player regardless this year. If he wins or loses, and you look at who he's paired against, he's not paired with a winner like Joel Embiid, who's, again, he's not made it to a conference finals. He hasn't proved anything. He's proved he's a great center in this league, but he's not a top 75 player. So for James Harden to have all this pressure where it's Joel's team, I'm not buying it. Uh, Whereas Ben Simmons, there's a lot of pressure on him because you're playing with KD with the Brooklyn Nets, with Kyrie Irving, who is a part-time player, but still pressure on you uh, after what you did last year and what the Brooklyn Nets aspire to be, and you simply have to deliver. So because of that, I put the pressure on Ben Simmons uh, this season. Now... I'm going to rank my top five players of the all-NBA, you know, top, you know, 75 team. And this was actually uh, very hard uh, to do because there's so many great players. I'm just going to name a few I just did not put in. Uh, Wilt Chamberlain, you know, all the scoring titles that he won seven, but he only won two. You know, Larry Bird, you know, ushered in a new era of the league. Tim Duncan was great. You know, five championships, three final MVP. You know, same with Kobe Bryant, five uh, finals. Shaq, four finals. Just brilliant. They're all great players. You know, it would have been much easier to make a top 10 and a top 5. Top 5, though. Number 5. Bill Russell, because he won... 11 championships with the Boston Celtics in like a 13-year span there. You know, average 15 points a game, but he's not known for being a scorer. He's known for being a champion and for being one of the best rebounders of all time. Average 22.5 rebounds per game. Uh, Second in total rebounds in a career behind Wilt Chamberlain. Uh, He's also known for being a five-time MVP as well in one of the greatest defensive players of all time. That is Bill Russell. That's why he's number five. Number four, Magic Johnson. Magic Johnson won five championships, you know, helped to do it as a rookie, you know, right there. No Kareem uh, injured, you know, in the end of that run. They still did it. Point guard at six foot nine, uh, won you know an MVP a few times, won Finals MVP, 
he was brilliant throughout his career. Again, the Larry Bird Magic Johnson rivalry in Magic Johnson, two more finals uh, than him. Had to retire early due to an HIV diagnosis, but guess what? Came back to play, you know, in the 95 96 season. And they were good. Lost to the uh, Utah Jazz, you know, who would go on to represent uh, them. Actually, the Spurs the following year was the Jazz. But you look at, you know, the what ifs, you know, what if he doesn't retire? Uh, you know, he was still great. Played in the All Star game, played. Uh, with the Dream Team in the 92 Olympics, he was great. Does L.A. Executive Jerry West make deals to help put him there? You know, if Magic Johnson, you know, he still unretires, plays at 36 when that team lost to the Spurs, do they, should he have kept playing? Because the following year, they draft Kobe Bryant. They uh, get Shaquille O'Neal. Magic Johnson at 36 years old, 37, a rookie Kobe Bryant, a young Shaquille O'Neal. Would that have put, you know, some uh, heat on the Utah Jazz at that point? Do they play the Bulls in the finals uh, that year or the following year with that team of Kobe Bryant, with Shaq, with MJ uh, to kind of rival the big three that they had in aging uh, Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, uh, Dennis Rodman. I mean, who knows? But Magic Johnson, one of the best players in NBA history. Number three, Magic Johnson's teammate for a while there, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, who was the GOAT before Michael Jordan and LeBron arrived. It was Kareem who had the six championships the six MVPs, the two final MVPs, a scoring record, 15 All-NBA selections, averaging you know 25 points per game, 11 rebounds, a double-double throughout his career uh, as well. The skyhook shot, the one title with the Milwaukee Bucks, uh, the five with Magic Johnson and the Lakers. Kareem Abdul was the guy for so long. Number two. LeBron James still playing four finals, four final MVPs as well. Uh, four MVPs. He could have won a few more. All NBA defensive team. Should have won defensive player of the year instead of Marcus Gasol, but that's a conversation for another time. You know, 27 points per game in his career, seven assists, seven rebounds as well. Uh, just an amazing stat line. Uh, to have 10 finals trips as well. Uh, you know, a run there of eight straight going to the NBA Finals. Uh, LeBron James, you know, one of the best playmakers in NBA history. One of the greatest drivers to the rim in NBA history uh, as well. Kind of that Magic Johnson type guy where he's, you know, 6'9". He's a small forward, but he also plays like a point guard as well. LeBron James, one of the best players ever. And then Michael Jordan happens to just be the GOAT himself. You know, the six rings, the six final MVPs, uh, all the scoring titles of that he won. Five-time NBA MVP, 14-time All-Star, uh, 
the GOAT in his sport. Michael Jordan changed basketball. The two separate three-peats as well. Uh, you know, one of the you know greatest athletes of all time who just won games at whatever cost was the reason he won. Never let a you know finals game go to a game seven. Uh, he wanted to win no matter the cost. You know, the greatest competitor in NBA history. And it goes uh, to Michael Jordan. You know, his resume is the one that will stand the test of time for every generation of NBA players. So those are my top five. Bill Russell, Magic Johnson, Kareem, LeBron, and Michael Jordan. Now shifting lastly to the NHL. I'm going to give you my top five teams in the NHL right now. Number five, the Pittsburgh Penguins uh, sitting there. Still at 70 points, top five team in the league. Uh, there on a two-game losing streak, hampering them a bit. But when you got other teams still losing a lot behind them, you know, can anybody make an argument that they pass the Pittsburgh Penguins? I don't think so. Number four. The Tampa Bay Lightning sitting there at 70. Again, this is a team that has not played in over a week. Uh, so do they get removed for not playing? No, because they're still a team that is on a roll. And the way this NHL schedule is done, you know, with the Olympic uncertainty uh, that they didn't play and then the way the All-Star game was done around that time, I mean... The whole thing was a debacle, so the schedule's a mess, you know, with some of the COVID postponements. So to not play for a week, uh, put them on ice like that, no pun intended, uh, is not good for them. Number three, the Carolina Hurricanes. Oh, they're playing. They're playing well. Uh, they've won three in a row. High point differential at 55, uh, or high goal differential at uh, plus 55 as well. 35 wins, which is tied for second. In the league, 11 losses, which is tied for second in the league, 74 points. Uh, Carolina, led by Sebastian Ajo. This is a really uh, good team, which I think and have been saying is going to win the Metro, and it just happens to look that way. Number two, the Florida Panthers. They're right where they want to be, ahead of the Tampa Bay Lightning uh, best team. In the East, and there they are, 35 wins, 11 losses, 35 points. Uh, highest goal differential at plus 61. They've scored the most goals at 212. The only team to score over 200 goals this year. One of the best defensive teams as well. They've won seven of their past ten. The Florida Panthers, you know, improving much after last year. But the best team is still the Colorado Avalanche, who stood alone with the most wins at 36, the fewest losses at 10, and the most points at 76. They are a complete team. The scoring, the defense, the goaltending. Darcy Kemper, I thought, was shaky beginning of the year, but he's rounded into form where his last, I think, 20 games, he's like 16-1-2, where his last 19 games, it's ridiculous. The Colorado Avalanche are the team to beat right now. So those are my top five. The Pittsburgh Penguins the Tampa Bay Lightning, 
the Carolina Hurricanes, the Florida Panthers, and the Colorado Avalanche. Now I'm going to pick two games tonight. The first being the Oilers and the Lightning. Lightning's first game in a week. Are they a little rusty? Do they come off? Nope. I think they win where the Oilers, you know, have kind of been playing hot and cold uh, lately. They have a big win against the Ducks, but then they have a big loss to the Wild. I don't think they're a consistent team. Uh, I think they're struggling even though they have great players like Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. Uh, that's it. But Tampa Bay Lightning, I think, will win the game tonight. And then you have the LA Kings and the Arizona Coyotes. Uh, Kings looking for their fifth straight road win. I think they get it. Coyotes, one of the worst teams in the league. I thought they'd be the worst, and they're just one point uh, off from that prediction. Uh, they're just that bad. They continue to be that bad with the low talent that they have. Kings win this game. And then finally, Jawan Howard. Five-game suspension for him for uh, his slap, punch, whatever you want to call it. Um, the Wisconsin assistant suspended five games. That's what I thought would happen. It would be just the rest of a regular season, and it is. I think Michigan will be just fine. I think this will be a great moment of growth for this team. And I also think it's going to fire up the team as well. I think they're going to play harder. Uh, so I do think, you know, I don't, you know, root for anything Jawan did. Uh, but I do think this could spark a fire in the team. We'll see how they play against Rutgers tonight. Uh, that's a big one. But when you're a team that's kind of, the last four in, you need to win some games. They have a daunting schedule. Rutgers, uh, Illinois, Michigan State, Iowa, o Ohio State. You're going to need to win, I think, three of those five games. We'll see if they can do it. But if they do, you know, let's see if they can make the tournament, have Jawan back, and see how these guys play. But this has been Get Your Goat. I'll talk to you guys later. Bye, everybody.